0: You are listening to Neurosalience, the OHBM podcast.
1: Welcome to the Organization for Human Brain Mapping Neurosalience podcast. I'm your host, Peter Banatini, And here I interview members of the field, scientists, and we talk about initiatives, controversies. Individual scientists work and so on. Today, actually, we're we're continuing our series where we talk about the Organization for Human Brain Mapping uh, special interest groups, and today we discuss with two members of the student postdoc special interest group, uh, and also one uh, sort of senior member. He's a he's a mentor in that, uh, Alex Fornito. So the other two members are Carolina Mikowski and Michelle Veldsman. And in this podcast, we have a really good discussion on just going over a little bit of the history, but uh, going over what, what it's offering now. And it really does, it's really set up to help all the students, all the postdocs, even junior scientists by either you know, setting them up with mentors in the field, giving them links to interesting blogs that are useful, putting on workshops during the meeting and so on. And we'll talk all about that. And one thing I actually try to bring out that's really important I think is that you know OHBM is a really young society it's becoming younger and more vibrant every year it seems and it you know most of if not almost all of the science is really driven by the students and postdocs those people should have you know more of a support and more of a say and we talk about what it offers but also you know, I try to press them a little bit on on the things that it has a ton of potential, the things that it potentially could offer, even even mentoring for mentors or even having you know things like clearing houses for really very practical stuff. But uh, that's all potentially in the future. But what it offers now is is also just simply amazing. And it's a resource that hopefully will be used more by members uh, of the society. So with that, we'll start the podcast. So the three guests I have with me today are Dr. Karolina Makowski. Uh, She's a Polish Canadian neuroscientist and is currently a postdoctoral fellow at the University of California, San Diego. Her work integrates large brain imaging and genetics data sets to better understand the biological risk factors of of psychiatric disorders. Karolina is also the career development and mentoring manager elect for the OHBM SIG, a blog editor for the platform that aims to amplify the voices of early career researchers and a co-leader of the UCSD uh, postdoc training group. Uh, Dr. Michelle Veldsman is a senior postdoctoral research associate in cognitive neurology and a junior research fellow of St. Catherine's College, Oxford. She's currently based at the Department of Experimental Psychology. Her work investigates transdiagnostic markers of vascular cognitive impairment and brain network changes in aging, stroke, and dementia. Professor Alex Fernito is currently a Sylvia and Charles Vertel Foundation senior research fellow, professor of psychological sciences and head of the brain mapping and modeling research program at the Turner Institute for Brain and Mental Health. Uh, Dr. Fernito's research concentrates on developing new imaging techniques for mapping human brain connectivity and applying these methods to shed light on brain function and health and disease. Okay, so just to start, Thank you all for for coming and thank you all for uh, logging on at various times from around the world. I mean, Alex is in Australia. Caroli- Carolina is is uh, actually in San Diego, which is uh, uh, middle of the day, but uh, Michelle is also in the middle of the night at the UK. So so just to start. Could you describe each of your roles in the student postdoc SIG, uh, what they have been or what they are now, and and maybe starting with uh, Carolina. Perfect.
0: Thanks for all the introductions and uh, for having us here. It's, this is really a pleasure. Um, so I joined the SP SIG um, in twenty nineteen. Uh, so before pandemic days, but still we did everything online. And I actually joined as a blog editor, and it was the first year that the SP SIG actually had that position. Um, so it was just a one-year term and I fell in love with the group. It was just such a pleasure working with them. And we actually did quite a few blog posts on mentorship in our, um, for instance, our online mentoring program, interviewing speakers at our annual symposium, following up with them afterwards because we didn't have enough time to get to everyone's questions. So. Um, The blog platform is really a great platform just to uh, kind of continue those conversations and also to provide resources. So that was a one-year term, and then I applied to be uh, the career development and mentoring manager. So um, I'm the elect for that position right now, so I will still be on the committee for uh, another year. Um, We organize the annual online international mentoring program, the annual um, mentorship symposium, uh, but we also kind of lend a hand to all the other members, which is one of the things that I love most about the group is it's not that everything is just falling on one person. So we help with all the workshops. Oh, and we also do the the, um, link with mentors event that we can discuss in more details. It used to be lunch with mentors, but now it's the virtual link with mentors.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everything's going virtual. Hopefully we'll be going back, um, but or maybe not completely, who knows? There's some advantages to virtual. So Michelle.
2: Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. So I was uh, the chair of the SB SIG in 2018, and I was chair-elect the year before that when Amanpreet Badwar was the chair, and she um, actually initiated a lot of the mentoring initiatives within the SIG that are still going now, and I helped to design and implement the current online mentoring uh, platform, which is, I think, in its fifth round now, and I'm no longer on the SIG, but I'm still sort of interested in all the activities and still part of the mentoring program.
1: Okay. And uh, Alex, you're the senior person in this group. Uh, yes. You mentioned what you've been doing with this. So,
3: unfortunately, the senior person. Uh, so, I uh, got involved with the SIG perhaps three or four years ago, just initially as uh, as, as a mentor sitting and having a, a lunch at the um, conference's annual SIG Function and then when the mentoring program rolled out, uh, I signed up to be a mentor and I've mentored somewhere between six and eight people over over the course of the program. I've currently uh, mentoring four people through the program uh, from different parts of the world, and uh, yeah, it's been a, a fantastic program and a real privilege to be part of.
1: Uh, actually, just to follow up on that, um, I'm kind of curious. Maybe this is a good time to jump into that. When you say you you mentored uh, students, like what did that what exactly does that involve? Uh, does that like you know meeting with them every once in a while and giving advice, just general advice, or or what?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we catch up regularly, uh, and that depends on the the mentee's needs. Sometimes it might be uh, every couple of months, or sometimes quarterly, and it's really just to, to touch base on whatever's happening for them at the time. Uh, you know, some of the recurring themes are. Uh, work-life balance how to build a team so making that transition from a postdoc to a pi and also everyone's favorite which is preparing grant applications and uh, and so sometimes I'll, I'll I'll help them review grant applications and and provide uh, some some feedback on
1: yeah that's actually I mean it's 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 nice in a sense that you um, yeah. I mean, usually a lot of times, you know, and this is one thing I've noticed also with OHBM in general, it's sort of like this community and all these SIGs and also other other initiatives sort of help it become more of a community. And so you're not just alone, you're siloed in your lab and you have only your, your advisor who's, you know, who's your whole world. And that's sort of like an old school sort of philosophy where everyone sort of does, goes to these meetings, pre- presents their work, maybe gets ideas and goes back home. Now OHBM in general is becoming more of a you know we're sharing data we're sharing code we're we're sharing our expertise as well and so this is a, a form of that so that's that's great that's great so so what what initially i remember a little bit how the student postdoc sig sort of started i mean what what was the initial if any of you were were kind of there at the beginning or maybe talk to people who were there at the beginning how did it you know what what was that first thing that started it off did, was there a sense that students and postdocs weren't being represented enough at OHBM, because my feeling is, is that OHBM is becoming, I mean, even it's shifted to me, I mean, maybe this is partially because of this, is that in the last few years, it's shifted a lot towards being very, or maybe I'm just getting old, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's getting younger and more vibrant and much more student and postdoc focused. Um, so maybe, yeah, if, you, if anyone wanted to chime in as to what maybe started it, Uh,
2: Well, I think the trainees are actually the biggest demographic, I guess, the the biggest group within OHBM. And, you know, every year things get tougher, really, for trainees. It gets more competitive. It's harder to get PhD places or postdocs or fellowships. Um, And, you know, it just all of it gets more and more difficult. And there's a kind of realisation that the trainees need need help, need support, um, and also that they, they benefit from ha- being within a community um, of like, like-minded individuals and um, they can provide sort of peer-to-peer support for each other as well. Um, I don't know what originated the, the SIG, but I know those kind of values have, have been carried on year on year, um and every year the committee everybody just gets on so well and there's just so much enthusiasm and passion it's one of the best committees that I've ever been on like people are just so driven to help and volunteer all of their time for for the trainees yeah, i
0: echo that michelle absolutely it's for me especially during the pandemic there were a lot of difficulties as a new postdoc in a new country and that committee feels like a family to me that's why i really felt like i needed to stay with them somehow in a new position and I actually i i was never a part of obviously the beginning i uh I joined in 2019, but I do have this uh, recollection in 2017, I believe it was the Vancouver meeting, was that 2017? It was, I think their first annual uh, mentorship symposium and Amman was leading it. And I remember I hadn't been to many conferences at that point, but I'd never been to a session like that in a scientific conference where they basically discussed work-life balance, which now we talk about much more openly, but even in 2017 which was just you know four years ago that wasn't something you talked about in a purely neuroimaging or neuroscientific conference um and yeah and people were just candidly speaking about okay how do you you know negotiate um an offer and how do you um you know move forward in your career and there were no brain maps involved but it was the one meeting that I actually remembered from that, or the one session I remembered from that meeting, to be honest. Um, And even just looking, if you go to OHBMtrainees.com and you look at the number of people that have been, been involved, our committee just kind of keeps growing and we're at 14 people now compared to four when it started or actually one when it started. Um, and it, it's just, it reflects the, the needs of the trainees. And now we have all these social media platforms that people are using and saying, hey, we really wanna learn more about X, Y, Z, grant writing, um, you know, progressing your career, transitioning to industry. Um, so, you know, I think that, that it's a growing community and we're, we're more aware of each other's needs now.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely um, just to re-emphasize. I, I think yeah, OHBM really is driven. completely. It's always been driven by young people uh, doing the research. I mean, you know, the postdocs pretty much do most of the research. Young investigators, and 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 I do feel that once you get this critical mass, which you have, uh, I think that what will happen is is then the mentors or the people who are sort of the, in charge of the lab will start taking notice as well. And, you know, it could be more, it, it could help educate them on, on also being better mentors and, and, and being more responsive. I also, you know, you have the blog and, I'll, and we'll talk a little bit about that. I've been looking at some of the blog posts are really great. This is really a nice, a nice collection of, of articles potentially i mean it could be cool to have sort of an updated even white paper resource guide of uh, maybe you do have it of you know uh, of exactly what you said sort of having uh, ideas for or thoughts on everything from picking postdoc you know how you how you decide on on where to go what what you think you need for for careers and what you want to do and and then also uh, you know negotiating positions and how to position yourself the best for getting the best position I mean having that uh, even as like a kind of a living document as a white paper sort of could be cool. But I mean, maybe there's, maybe it's already there in some, in some regard.
2: Yeah, we do. We actually, um, the the SIGs have have published a few papers. Um, So one where we, we actually talked about how we established this international mentoring program and how, and to sort of give guidelines for anyone else who might want to start that kind of mentoring program. Um, And then also one similar to what you said, actually, which was about um, how to sort of self-manage your your career as a a brain mapper or or as just in the life sciences generally. Um, And that was a lot of the SIG former and um, new members all coming together to put together these papers to uh, put all about all, all the knowledge we've gained out there.
1: Yeah. So, so okay. So, so great. I, um, we might get back to that a little bit. So let's just talk a little bit about, um, I mean, looking at your website, uh, I mean, it looks like you have two pages. I mean, there's one with OHBM and, and there's ohbmtrainees.com that's, uh, that, that has everything in it. So you mentioned your symposium. So that's a, during OHBM, there's there's some like 90 minute session, scheduled for that. Uh, and then you have a link to mentors and, and I saw the whole list of mentors, which is, which is great. Alex is on there. Um, I'd like to join myself and then uh, career and mental health workshops. So what is, what does that involve?
0: Yeah. So those are newer. I don't want to say the wrong timeline here, but I think they came out in 2019 in Rome. Um, and it started out, uh, with some of the topics that I already discussed, like work-life balance. I think Alex was part of them, or maybe those 2020, I might be conflating the years. Um, And then Emma Kaywin also did workshops that were not even um, career-oriented at that point. It was about, well, still career-oriented, but it was about um, dealing with like microaggressions in the workplace, um, trauma, which uh, it was kind of strange that uh, ironic in a way that she was talking about in 2019 before the pandemic and then it became even more pertinent in 2020. So we asked her to come back. Uh, virtually. And she gave uh, one of those workshops as well on um, how to deal with trauma and also all of the, um, you know, political uprising and and riots, protests and all those things that were kind of ravaging our nation, but also the country, uh, also the globe. So she, she discussed that last year as well. And we have those workshops again this year. We haven't consolidated a full list of topics yet. Um, they're coming. Uh, but what we did basically with the SIG is we came up with uh, a bunch of topics that would be of interest to trainees and also early career researchers, PIs. And uh, once we got that list, we then put out a poll on Twitter to all of the people that follow OHBM trainees and ask them to vote for their top. Um, So that way, you know, what we thought would be of interest to everyone, we were actually surprised with some of them. Um, People are really interested in industry, actually. Um, (laughs) They're interested in grant writing as well, but there were some that we thought would be more popular. And, um, you know, it also kind of just shows the shift in uh, what people need and where people are going as well. So, uh, Yeah. yeah been really interesting workshops to attend.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, your, your poll is is a nice, you know, sort of way of getting a sense of the community because, you know, everyone sort of talks to people and they think, oh, you know, people are interested, for instance, in industry a little bit more because there's growing uncertainty. I mean, it's harder and harder to get grants. People generally in academia are stressed out writing grants and, and not getting them. And, and there's things like, you know, that's happening in Australia, they're shutting down whole programs. And, and it's, it's worried that, you know, from the top down, the government sort of like cares less and less about just research. And, and, and I think also, especially with the pandemic, I mean, I, I know in my lab, there's starting to be a exponentially growing sense of anxiety that, you know, people aren't just collecting data. And what do you do? I mean, certainly people who just work with big data can, can just have it, but, uh, but it's hard, it's really stressful and it might be important to send a message to the, to the mentors to be a little bit more easy on, uh, and, and forgiving in a sense that given the situation, I, I think they all kind of mostly get that, but I think there's that, that feedback that, that can be really powerful. Uh, in this community. So as far as, as far as, uh, and also, of course you have your, you know, to me, OHBM is not only about, you know, it's about a community, but it's also social. I mean, you have the Monday night social and, and to me, OHBM is, is very, ultimately we're scientists, but we're all social people. And and this helps solidify that a lot more. We have, all have, I'm always amazed with, you know, people from all over the world, uh, all different cultures, all different countries, they all have so much in common socially aside from the science as well, that that's, makes it fun. So it's great that you're fostering that as well. So just to, just to go forward a, a little bit. So as far as um, uh, the mentoring is concerned, um, is, there, is there any sort of, uh, you have your mentors and it, you have a list of people there. And I'm sure, I'm sure actually, if even you beat the bushes, there'd be more people to come out and, and be willing to do that. I actually did uh, a mentorship with ISMRM, Uh, similar sort of situation where I talked to them every once in a while and, and then ended up writing a letter of recommendation for them and things like that. But is there any like nuts and bolts? I mean, actual nuts and bolts training on like creating a CV or grant writing or, or even giving a talk or communicating clearly um, or even things like starting a lab. I mean, that's, that's a a huge thing going from postdoc to a PI uh, and everyone and people I talk to are Don't know what to do is there are there things that are workshops or training or or blogs or whatever that talk about the nuts and bolts
0: i could pick this one up um so right (laughs) now i'd say it's more of organically uh looking at those topics um in the sense that you know if you have a a mentor mentee pair and the mentee says you know i want to transition to become a professor then they'll you know the mentor can guide in that sense Uh, We hopefully will have more workshops that touch upon these topics. Like I said, this is just a, you know, two years in the making. So... Um, and actually, even some of the, actually, all of the workshops from t- the 2020 are on a, our YouTube channel. Um, so you can find that on our website. So some of these things, you know, we're curating those resources. Um, but this is actually something that has come up in conversations with the SP SIG is that, you know, what if we had something like a biweekly or monthly get together for trainees? And we actually do have more uh, specific topics that we focus on. We just, we do have a lot on our plate, so we don't want to, you know... Uh, yeah. (laughs) over over promise and then not do it, but it's actually, it's something that we have talked about and it maybe reminds us that, okay, there's, there's a need for this, but yeah, it would be great to curate more resources and I appreciate the feedback too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Right. I mean, there's many things to do. And and there's a risk of spreading yourself too thin and, and having it not as useful as it could be, but, and there, and yeah, I mean, I even, even giving talks, I mean, I, 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 you know, it's funny. I, I feel like there's certain principles of giving talks that, uh, that for some reason uh, a lot of people, even even senior PIs, don't get, uh, don't have. Um, but that that kind of leads to sort of another direction uh, in this in this conversation potentially. And you know, I started thinking about just mentorship in general, and I started thinking my own experience mentoring and my own experience being a mentee way back. Uh, so, what's the goal? Is the goal to you know? obviously we're all motivated and the goal is the goal to sort of help motivated people along and just with what they do. And, or is it, is it to make them into a better scientist? Uh, It's probably this both, but, um, and also there's certain things. I mean, I, and I, I've learned this firsthand that there's certain things you can teach and you can give mentoring on, and there's certain things you can't. And, and it seems that in, in, especially in academia, I mean, there's an old school philosophy of just, you know, throw them in there and make them figure it out. And then they'll come out much if they, you know, those that survive will come out very resilient. And the ones that are good will will rise to the top. The ones that are bad, will find another job. Uh, That's kind of cutthroat. Uh, But of course, obviously this whole thing exists because we feel that that's not an optimal way to do things. (laughs) And and I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts on that. Have you ever received any pushback or not really pushback, but sort of uh, this thought of, you know what are we really doing here are we trying to change people to be better scientists or are we just trying to help them along with things that that might be gaps any any thoughts there <laughs> maybe, uh, this to, maybe, uh, maybe this sure. is one for Alex maybe maybe this is jump in I mean I think that's it's a really
3: uh, important and and in some ways a deep question the way I like to approach it is at least my own experience in developing a scientific career, I was always fortunate enough to work with really good supervisors and mentors uh, directly. But, you know, it's always good to get exposed to a different way of doing things, a different viewpoint, a a different opinion. And I I think especially as a trainee, it can be hard to initiate that. You come in, you see these very senior people doing amazing work and you you feel a... uh, a little bit uh, uh, shy or embarrassed to reach out even though most people are really friendly and happy to, to help in any way they can and so these these programs these formal programs just lower the barrier to do that and that way you can reach out to uh, other people in the field who you might admire or respect or at least have a lot of experience uh, and get a different perspective and so you're one-to-one with your daily mentor, You know, you you can cover things like, you know, your regular scientific practice and how to do science and the technical aspects of your projects on top of bigger career stuff. But uh, then to have someone outside of that relationship who's completely independent uh, from a different institution, doesn't have the same kind of pressures to get a project done on time or or whatever, can give you a a, a sort of impartial view, uh, in many ways a bird's eye picture of... uh, how you can go about strategically building your career. What are the principles that go into being a good scientist, or even just to be a sounding board, uh, especially that, that can be especially beneficial if you, if your relationship with your direct supervisor is a little bit strained. Uh, so I, I don't think there's there's any one goal. It's really about uh, at least for me as a mentor, trying to support people to realize their own goals and ambitions in, in whatever they in, in whatever way that that may be.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that I mean I would have. I, I'm just also thinking back to when I was a, a, a graduate student. I was sort of thrown into a position where there's a pretty good group, was kind of small on the edge of barely large enough to be a critical mass of support group people, and I and I kind of got lucky working with a fellow graduate student who was much more of my mentor than my mentor. And uh, my mentor was you know sort of the person who sort of set the tone of the lab, but. Um, he basically said, you know, hey, here's the tools, just go to our seminars, figure something out. And then once I went to the meetings, just talking to people helped a lot, but I think I would have benefited a lot from this sort of thing, uh, definitely. So right, I think it, it actually helps ensure, I mean, there's a lot of small labs too, that you just don't have much of a community within your group uh, as much as, as others. And you're, and you're absolutely right, seeing other perspectives and having a diverse input uh, is, is great like even, but even advice, like for instance, you know, I get, you know, and this is one, one thing you might be up against as well, even with the getting the various mentors, you know, there's, there's conflicting advice. You know, I, you know, some people would say, like, I remember, I remember like in graduate school, I was offered to write some book chapters uh, and every all of my, most of my mentors would say, don't do that. Don't, don't write book chapters. That's a waste of your time. And I did it anyway. I just sort of, I just, didn't really take their advice in that case, and it was may have been a waste of my time, but it helped in some way. And so I think that yeah, having having at least a diversity, a little bit more perspective to pick from, I think helps.
2: Yeah, uh, one of the things we wanted to really do with the online um, mentoring program is is to just have it um have people be able to talk to people from different perspectives but also to be a lot more inclusive because a lot of the time you have these communities that have maybe a heavy north american or european um grouping you know you know a lot of people um from from north america or europe and and, and then a lot of other people get exclu- excluded and it's difficult to kind of get into these groups and then get all the opportunities that they Um, Offer because um, you're maybe not one of those major institutions or one of those big labs. And so this sort of opens things up a little bit more for people and makes it a little bit more inclusive. And the other thing I think that Alex uh, mentioned is that that really um, having an unbiased view, you know, having somebody who doesn't have any... Uh, ulterior motives it's it's really really important because there's often quite a low amount of kind of governance over how people are managed and supervised and often people aren't trained to manage and supervise Um, and so you can have very very poor management of students or you know um, to the level of just outright abusiveness and people don't know if that's it if you know if that's okay is it okay if my supervisor assumes that, you know, tells me I have to work 80 hours a week and I'm not allowed to take holidays or I'm not allowed to take sick leave. That stuff is really important to have somebody else to say, actually, that's not okay. And this is what you can do about it. And this is, you know, here's like just resources you can find or
1: people you should talk to. So that's interesting. I mean, I, that last part is, I mean, there's so much you said right there that I wanted to unpack, but that last part is, is actually really interesting. I mean, it brings to mind actually a a, a kind of a it was a joke that was passed around, but it was actually a serious letter by some postdoc who who it was just a crazy letter that basically was saying you have to you know you have to come in on weekends, you have to if you're not here on Friday nights and I, you know I, I will you know kick you out of my lab and whatever. it was just not. Um, but how does, okay, so there's one thing, a student being aware that that's not okay and, and becoming more aware just by triangulating with the community but what more can they do i mean they can go to their post their advisor and say hey, hey that's not okay this, these other people are saying you know that this is not okay um yeah. how, how do you actually can you do any more than that
2: yeah it's really difficult in those situations it's it's particularly difficult if you've got you know very big names or or people who you know that there's going to be uh, it's going to be difficult to kind of push back but um, one of the really important things is just to at least let people understand that the that, that behavior is not okay and that they, they should be able to seek help or just get some advice or find the right people to talk to. But also importantly is that it's amazing how many people will have a very bad experience in a lab and think that's like all of academia. I never, I just going to get out of here immediately. Yeah. And you just want to say to them, no, actually... you can have a really good experience just give another lab a go even before you join a lab here's the things to do to prevent yourself getting into such a toxic environment
1: yeah like you know talk to the other people in the lab and try to get a sense of the the culture yeah exactly yeah and I actually I, I see you know two two good things from that well one I think that I really do think you know the more I think about this, the more I think that there there could be something at OHBM for mentors to become better mentors. <laughs> um, you know it's a you know some sort of a workshop on on becoming a good mentor. I'm always trying to I'm always trying to improve in that regard because you're right. we mentors were never trained in this, and some do it better than others. Some are just natural you know mentors and some aren't. But also I think what you're doing, I actually the more it kind of hit me that what you're doing in some sense is sort of training the next generation of mentors. To be hmm. good mentors. And that has sort of like this compounded effect on the entire community uh, in that regard. So I think that, you know, while the immediate benefit is there, there's a long term benefit that could be even more profound.
0: And I see that even personally in um, my role in the um, online mentorship program. I'm both a mentee and also have a mentor. And um, the mentor has really helped me. Uh, for instance, I was applying for a few jobs that my supervisors knew about, but I didn't feel comfortable, you know, uh, sharing all my documents with them, especially since we have such such a close scientific relationship. Um, and he was just so helpful in like helping me get the courage to like, you know, uh, to apply, to to um, create, you know, these documents, and and just uh, also just talking about my career prospects. And that I feel also just how he sh- helped shape our sort of mentor-mentee relationship, I've also taken tips in my own um, uh, relationships with mentees. Uh, So absolutely, I think even just indirectly being a part of the mentorship program, since you can be part of both roles has actually, hopefully has helped me grow as a mentor as well, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely I would stand to benefit from that. Or or even like, right, even practical, once again, sort of a practical things for a mentor to be aware of. And, And yeah, you're right, I mean, I see on Twitter, You know, Twitter is interesting for many things. I usually get it for reading papers, but I see people just complaining about their labs and how it's so horrible getting a PhD, and other people saying, "No, it wasn't that horrible." And it's it'd be interesting to know, you know, whether that is them or or somehow, you know, what try to distill what makes a good lab and what doesn't make a good lab, and uh, and it could be just a bunch of little things uh, in that regard. So, you know, is there is there I I sort of touched on this a little bit before, but again, I think the, the the old school might push back slightly. I mean, is there a chance for too much mentorship? I mean, t- for people to expect too much? I mean, because there is, you know, what I try to tell a lot of uh, my students and maybe, you know, it, uh, is, is, you know, part of being a graduate student is is learning the skill of kind of not knowing what to do and 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 trying to figure out and make a plan on your own to some degree. And I, and I think that there's an interesting balance potentially there is that you don't want to you know, totally, you know, help them too much uh, because that's sort of doing them a disservice in some sense too. I'm not saying that this is, because there's huge needs, but have you thought about that? Like, where, where do you draw the line in, in helping students? Because sometimes, you know, there are times where a student will enter a graduate program and they realize they're just not cut out to be a, 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 an independent scientist. And, and, it, and it's important to learn that quickly so they can switch gears. Um, I don't know if you've thought about that part. Cause it always feels like a failure. Like when I, when I have a student who just doesn't work out, I always feel like I failed in some sense. I feel like I've only, luckily I've only had one or two and I feel like, Oh, cause there's something more I could have done. And then I think, well, maybe, you know, that's just the, the way it is. That's just the way they are. But you know, it's, it's always a tension.
3: I think it's, it's, it's a real, it's a real battle. And whenever I'm doing any form of mentoring, it's something I struggle with uh, particularly maybe from, from a scientific aspect, like when, when people are coming to you with scientific problems to what degree do you kind of jump in and sort of provide solutions versus set a general direction and say okay go off and you know figure it out yourself and I'm, and I'm not sure there's a there's a right or wrong answer other than I try to just stride the balance uh, either way and you know if the student seems to be getting stuck then you sort of help in jump in and and, and help and try to is it's more about trying to provide ways of solving the problem rather than the solution itself. I think in terms of career planning, it's a bit different and providing the input is part of the solution, uh, the the, the trainees own problem solving process. So in an ideal world, they would seek advice from many different people and then aggregate that in some way that makes sense for them. So provided they don't stick to what you say to the letter and follow it uh, without question, I think uh, you know there's only a benefit to be gained by kind of having these chats and uh, providing your own input.
1: Right. I, I think uh, it is a balance. It's sort of like I mean, it, in some ways, it's 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 almost kind of slightly analogous to parenting in some sense, but uh, not to put the analogy there. I mean, you you wanna you wanna put people, you wanna throw people in the situations, but it's and you wanna have them learn on their own. You wanna sort of be an example to them in some sense, but at the same time, you don't want to be too productive, but it's, it's a balance. It's an art in some sense. Uh, I think
2: there's, there's, there's definitely skills to it. Like um, uh, it's really about sort of actively listening. And uh, a lot of the time your intuition is to just say what I did when I, when I was there, I did this, I did this, I did this. Um, and this is my experience um, and Actually, really, if you let people talk and you ask them open questions, then they often come to conclusions for themselves. So they might be thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to go into industry or if I want to stay in academia. So instead of saying, you know, well, I stayed in academia and I did pretty well and so you should stay in academia. If you ask them more and more questions, they sort of, you know, get there themselves. They just need somebody to talk to who's not going to impose a view on them. Because if they spoke to their supervisor, their supervisor might say, oh, you want to stay in academia because that's in my interest. But, you know, I think there's definitely skills to it.
1: Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. And and so like, yeah, it's worth talking a little bit about, uh, you know, it's hard to give advice. I mean, I- I- as far as like even, right within, I mean, it seems like industry is kind of growing and and uh, grants are getting harder to get. And, and um, I think a lot of us in academia don't really know, can't, really give good advice I, I find it hard to give good advice regarding industry. I you know it's it, it, there's people who have come from industry and yeah, there's certain areas where it would be beneficial even once again to sort of yeah, I, I see this the sig as potentially growing into this sort of clearinghouse of of really unique information that could be timely as far as that's concerned things like industry is coming, you know, that's becoming more of a thing. Yeah. So, so it's always tricky how far you, once again, how far you want to spread and grow the SIG. But I, I think, I think it has a lot of potential to not only provide, you know, nuts and bolts sort of advice and a place to go to for, for that sort of thing, but, but even, you know, advice to PIs, as I mentioned, or, or advice a little bit more, you know, practical advice, or even, actual advice as to you know this might be a little bit risky but like what labs are really good or what what universities are supportive <laughs> um you know there's certain ones that you know what to expect in, a, in like a, a startup package what actual amount of money and resources <laughs> uh that that's uh because I, I think that everyone else everyone's kind of working in a void and i and, and i think that uh uh, universities use that to their advantage. I, you know, they know that people aren't really talking that much about this sort of thing. So having that information, I think, would be would be helpful as well. Um, you know, even negotiating for space and all kinds of things. I mean, there's so many things. The thing that always hits people, and I just recently give advice uh, on scanning with MRI. Um, you know, somebody was, was negotiating for a position in a university, and they haven't thought about how much scan time costs. and you know, and they weren't asking for any money for scan time. And and so these are very practical things that people just kind of overlook uh, potentially uh, and then find out after the fact.
0: Interesting. Instead of, you know, we have our best practices in imaging acquisition, whatnot, to have a best practices in, in lab culture, um, which could obviously depend on the the um, continent that you're coming from it might not be feasible to actually like list out uh you know universities that are good but instead to have some sort of template for and universities or pis to pick from these are the things that you should be thinking about as your lab implementing this yeah
1: yeah i you know it, it seems seems like there's there's potential i mean you know obviously we can just i always I, I start getting in the mode of brainstorming rather than just talking about what you have right here but but still it's a thought it's uh all i can say is that it's it's the SIG is great. And as far as uh, that is concerned, I think it's really, really important. And as even as the leadership of OHBM becomes relatively younger and younger, I mean, I think there's more, it's, it's really run. I mean, the, the guts of it are the junior scientists and, and it's really can, that can continue to grow. So just to maybe get towards the end here, are there any, are there any initiatives that you're looking to do that are different this year? Is there anything different, slightly different, that you're planning on for this virtual meeting?
0: Yeah. Um, I always worry about how much I can say as part of the planning committee. But all these things are coming up. But what I can say that we've already implemented, and I'm sure we can improve this. But um, for our online mentorship program, for instance, when we did our intake survey, we um, added a question on uh, whether individuals had a preference for um, having a mentor from their underrepresented group if they had a disability or were of um, visible minority status or LGBTQ. So people had that freedom to um, you know, put in the intake form that this is the sort of mentor that I also want. Um, because I need guidance in that sector as well. Um, to be honest, we didn't get a lot of um, uh, of answers on that uh, particular question. There were some that came up with, you know, I, I would like a female mentor or, yes, and one more in industry, but, um, you know, I'm hoping that we can improve that. But it's sort of that first step, especially as we've had just a flood of conversations and rightfully so on diversity and inclusivity. Um, and following that, uh, our actual annual symposium will be focused around racial bias in academia. So we are bringing these topics to the forefront. We need to, um, and we have fabulous speakers that I cannot disclose, but <laughs> um, but please stay tuned for that. I'm, we are so excited for it. Um, and then yeah, our, our link with mentors will be very similar to last year. It sold out super quickly, so um, sold out. It's free, but it, on Eventbrite, the registration read. <laughs> To maximum capacity very quickly, wow. where we basically have fabulous mentors like Alex um, and Michelle, too, <laughs> um, it, uh, it basically matched with uh, 10 to 12 trainees, um, and they just talk for an hour. There's, there's really no um, rigid structure around it. Yeah, and we're always very open to people's suggestions on workshop ideas and, and feedback and all that.
1: And is there a place where they can give feedback as far as uh, just emailing you or, or or is there someplace on the website or or um
0: you should know this off the top of my head i think it's just like ohbmtrainees at gmail.com the contact should be on uh on our website for sure if you just go okay. yeah,
1: OHBMtrainees. Okay. good um so i think uh, i think yeah before we wrap up i just yeah i just want to reemphasize that this is a, a not you know wonderful initiative and and it hits on so many things it hits on you know, helping everyone, it helps hits on underrepresented groups, it enhances diversity, uh, and at the same time, it, it sort of normalizes, you know, what people can kind of expect. It'd be great to even have like a really like sort of a, not really a bill of rights, but sort of like to try to be able to generate something that some postdoc or, or graduate student can point to, like, you know, once again, trying to figure out uh, how they can actually have real leverage with their with their mentor, with their with their advisor, with their actual academic advisor, saying, "Hey, look, this page says from OHBM that we belong to. This is what is expected and not expected. <laughs> um, that could be cool." But there's so many things. There's so many directions. It's exciting what, how this can help, and it's and it really is help. I mean, it really, you know, it's not just a social thing. I mean, which is social is good, but I mean, it's it's really everyone. You know, everyone from postdoc. Or graduate student on up to even the PI. I mean, the fact is, uh, you know, even PIs kind of need coaches. <laughs> uh, I could use a coach sometimes, I think, and that's another potential opportunity for that. All right, all right. Well, well, this has been great. I mean, I think that uh, I think everyone got a good idea uh, as to what what this is all about, and. And the fact that being a mentor is is uh, something that varies a lot. And sometimes there's good mentors and bad mentors, but there's a lot we can learn to be, become better mentors. And uh, and students can help us. And this organization can help us as far as that's concerned, along with helping the students and postdocs. So, all right. Well, with that, I'd like to just thank you for signing in from all over the planet. And, uh, and I look forward to... Uh, definitely, I would. I would love to be part of. I'm just mentioning. I'd love to be a mentor uh, in the program, and I'd love to. I uh, look forward to seeing what you're offering at OHBM. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.